Hey guys, this is the Beyond the Dojo podcast. I'm Lauren. I'm Jeremiah. It's good. Okay. We're making sure we're not uh, not recording. Our... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Especially since we're trying another format where we're also videoing the podcast. Uh... So, <laughs> a little bit different here. Uh, also, just disclaimer, if um, it gets kind of loud, it is about to storm outside, so... You know, hopefully Welcome all of the, in the summer. Hopefully all the power doesn't go out. We end up in here in the dark. <laughs> well, if it does go out, no one else would know because we won't put out the whole product. So <laughs> we'll put out the, the video, and then we're we're just making liars of ourselves. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> um. So random thought. This was really funny. Um. We have a, a new student who is um in our seniors class, and she comes to our evening classes too. And um, she's super excited, super animated, and she's really into karate. She trained um, a karate style way back in the day, and she's super consistent now. She's like, I'm just like, she said this is the most committed she's been to like anything in her entire life besides her marriage. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, so we're really excited to have her. Hey, Vivian. Um, Hi, Vivian. She was looking, Thank you. She was looking at videos on YouTube recently, and she said, <laughs> she said, it was a video, and they were doing katas, but there were people in them. <laughs> talking about, like, watching a bunkai. Yeah, watching so. a bunkai. <laughs> oh, that was the best. I was like, oh, yes, man. there were people in them. That's how it's supposed to work. <laughs> On a side note of that, mm-hmm. I, just a couple things I, I noticed and was concerned about was, you know, when a star flashes bright, it usually fades quickly. Mm-hmm. And I was concerned that, especially with her and her age and, you know, if she had any reoccurring injuries and stuff. And the cool thing about dealing with older women and older men is the fact that if you say, hey, you need to kind of pace yourself, they don't really give you static. They kind of learn and try to adapt because they they realize what's going on and they really appreciate the longevity of our approach. And I thought that was cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It is cool that because of, like, we live in Florida, um, we actually have the ability to train lots of senior adults. Yeah. Well, not lots, but like some so far. So, Those who are interested. Yeah, so so that's Show actually. Karate him, you, feel <laughs> you don't. You don't. Holler at us. Anyway, um, so that's been fun. <coughs> Anyhow, we should, we should flash our number in for it because we got video episode. One eight hundred. No, I don't actually remember what number episode this is. I think it's like thirty-one. Uh, I got a question. I kind of it's unplanned, so I'm gonna throw you on the spot. Okay, what? Um, yeah, it's yeah. I talked about an idea the other day about um, kind of. Taking in and looking at other people's uh, oyo and bunkai and kind of doing them and seeing if mm-hmm. we not not mm-hmm. to be like, cri- well, not critical but not um, mm-hmm. judgmental in mm-hmm. a sense where we're just like, okay, let's see if this really works. Mm-hmm. What would be the weak points? What where could we you know could there yeah. be a punch in the air there that kind of thing? Yeah. Um, Karate people react to. Jesus, you almost poked me in the eye. <laughs> Holy moly! Anyways, hiya. <laughs> Y'all gotta go watch the Uncle, Uncle Roger, Roger oh, watching man, <laughs> watching the BBC lady make rice. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my question to the audience is: I leave a comment below, letting us know if you would think that'd be interesting or not. So basically, it'd be us watching other people doing bunkai, bunkai or, or application or yeah. anything similar, or maybe even not that. Maybe we'll stray away from that. But we are going to attempt to do what they're teaching, and then we're going to break attempt, it down a little bit. Attempt to break it down. Obviously, if we can't break it down, then it's legit. Right. right. And some, at well, least in our it. eyes, because, you know, our our opinion matters. We're going to do it whether you like it or not. But if you want to see us do it, if, we, if you make us feel great, hey, yeah. leave a comment. <laughs> <laughs> Don't steal our idea because we'll know where you got it from. Just saying. Just saying. 
Because we stole the idea from somebody else. Actually, I stole it from Two Set Violence. So. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, and from all the other React um, uh, channels. So. We kind of we're kind of getting to that point where it's like we're looking to other YouTube channels for topic or content ideas in a sense. You know, sure. we were watching another one about Aikido or listening to the podcast, and yeah. that was really good, man. We're um, talking about the the martial of arts journey. Yeah. Yeah, and it was like Aikido guys talking about the relevance or relevance relevance in modern martial arts and how they can make their 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 art more relevant yeah and i felt like in this in a way that's kind of what we're going through as traditional martial artists who aren't in the sport aspect of it yeah you know we're not we're not really heavily involved in it um i think that's where we got to look and, and maybe i think it, it's uh, maybe a next topic. Maybe some, sometime in the future we have a pod topic about how we keep our our art and our approach relevant to relevant. relevant. All right, so we're gonna go ahead and <laughs> establish that I can't speak or pronounce certain words. Relevant. That's okay because we have Karen here who will correct me. That's not what Karen does. Karen tell, tells the manager that you can't speak right. <laughs> since since she already thinks she's the manager. <laughs> true okay so anyway today's podcast is whatever because jeremiah's gonna have to explain it okay so my idea of the podcast was that um i feel like organizations now are are the new styles or sub styles of of certain karate for example um and no disrespect to any of these uh, organizations but when you see a nishiyama guy you know that guy is from nishiyama's group just by the way they what they emphasize you know um for uh, even a Another contemporary of Inishiyama would be Kase, and how he literally, his his uh, what he called his karate was Shotokan Karate Kase Ha. Oh yeah. So that Kase Ha had made it like something different, mm-hmm. you know, and you can see it in the you know the, the USNKF. You know, when you go to the more sporty kind of karate, their karate looks different than the traditionalists, the JKAs, the ISKAs. You know, um, yeah, and if you look even you know to the current and newer Japanese organizations like the Kanazawa's group, how they approach their kata, how they make their stances. Um, Yahada's group, how, how it's a lot more uh, what he did, you know, a lot of that rotation, excessive rotation kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then even to the JKS with Asai and how a lot of it was whippy and this and that. Although the overall look of the JKS is not that, like where it's super whippy and, and laxed, but it's a lot more relaxed than what you'd say from the what they broke off from in the JKA where it's a little more staunch. Mm-hmm. I think that is what I want to talk about is like, why is that happening? Why is that phenomenon happening now? Why do they feel like, organizations feel like they have to brand themselves differently mm-hmm. to, to make a name? Yeah. You had said, uh, you know, they're the organizations are the new Ryuha of Shotokan, can you? I, we probably should have looked up what those suffixes actually mean. But what are what are essentially are you talking about with that? Ruha is, a, I think, the Japanese suffixes to to distinguish sub subcultures, sub um, arts of a main family. Mm-hmm. So if you look at Shitoru, that's the style Shitoru. Mm-hmm. But then you have uh, like four or five different family styles that is under Shitoru. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Is there's the Ru and then there's the Ha, and I think. In some organizations, they they do it in such a way that it's very respectful to the original um, karate or, or form. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's but they do subtle things differently. Mm-hmm. You know, like uh, it's a ha thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but then there's some organizations that take it to the extreme, and and now it doesn't even look like Shotokan anymore. Let's say even like Shotokai, where they, it's Shotokan, but 
not the same approach. Mm-hmm. So to me, that that's kind of what I'm talking about. Although Shotokai has been around for a long time, mm-hmm. and 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 is a legitimate art, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, but it does have that same kind of approach or idea where it's just so far away you can't tell. You know, you can tell a little bit, but not you know. Yeah. Ideally, I guess, or um, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. what are some modern examples of how these? organizations are essentially differentiating themselves from each other. So just talking about the actual, um, maybe just the actual like technical or mechanical well, approach. How well, are they different from each well, other? Well, technical and mechanical approach, I don't think it's, well, it wasn't as much technical or mechanical approach as it was, you know, um, stylistic flares back in the 80s and 90s. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like Kanazawa's group with Goji Shio Goji Shio Dai, and how those names are switched and how, he had his own little thing on those katas. So sure. to me, I don't see any reason why that was necessary. Yeah. But I mean, like, if you look at someone from an or- from one organization and you look at someone from another organization, generally you can tell they're not from the same organization oh, by absolutely. the way that they train. Oh, absolutely. So what is it about their karate that is actually different from each other? What kind of examples? are Do they have an actual structure, that kind of thing? I think so it's structured in the syllabus. Mm-hmm. I think it's the... The approach, how they go about their training, like what they're focused on. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, instead of focusing on proper mechanics or let's say uh, this organization is based on application of karate or this organization is based on sport or traditional training, whatever that is, they want to focus on making something just enough different to say, oh, yeah, that's from that group. That what, guy. what just enough different? Um... Not driving the rear leg in a reverse punch, Nishiyama's group. Okay, so that's what I'm talking about, mechanical okay. or technical Me- Mechanical stuff would be the bent, rear bent knee, of, or the majority of the... Uh, Nishiyama's group has this idea of four, four ground... Ground four, reaction force. Ground, ground reaction force. And I believe that the way they do it, it, it shows a certain form. And that form is the rear knee tends to be flexed and not... Ex- or not that's right. Yeah, it's flexed, and their tips over tucked. Their hi- their hips over tucked. Yeah, which means that they're not actually using ground reaction force at all. <clears throat> to our understanding, yeah. what we understand that to be. Yeah. Their understanding that they are, and you can't can't dog someone for believing in a certain way. So well, I'll, it's I'll a scientific s- principle. It has nothing to do with karate. That's, that. that's <laughs> a, hold on. We're, that's further along in the the conversation. Okay. Um. So. That's what I'm talking about, like physically. Um, yeah. Let's say in a weightless group, yeah, the 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 uh, the um, KUGB. Yeah. Over long stance, super deep and uh, contorted front knee, uh, exaggerated like, you movement. Mean that, like, boxy look. Yeah, that real side. boxy look. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. um, AJK has that same kind of boxy look. So, so I I am most familiar with this one. So this is the one where. Your hips are super externally rotated, yeah. so your thighs are actually being pushed out when you're in stances, and they have this idea where they super emphasize like outward tension. Um, and what actually happens is rather than having like a pyramidal type shape where you're making a straight diagonal line from your hips to your knee to your ankle, right. you actually push the knees out. So it's if you're in a front out. stance or a horse stance, you're actually actually um, contorting your that's body. A, was it varus or ballast whatever and it, it, your knees actually push are pushing out so you're putting your your joints in an extreme um abducted position that's oh. yeah hard to move from a side note sorry i'm so used to just talking to lauren on these podcasts that i have not looked at the camera very much <laughs> so fine. 
How you doing? <laughs> um, so that's kind of what we're talking about: stylistic differences. They're subtle, but they're in some. Within you get within a, an art, they're obvious. They're like super mm-hmm. obvious. Yeah. Um, Another one would be like wrist position, right? Ri- well, <sighs> wrist position. Um, like so, your fist kind of drooping down versus whatever else people do. I would say I would say that's an overall. That's a common thing with most karate, especially Shotokan. Yeah. Or the fist is flat, mm-hmm. which originated from, I think the JK was one that really forced it this, and worked that, where, the, they, where the fist was down and flat. Top of the forearm all yeah. the way to your to your wrist is, is really flat. But we know, as researchers has shown us, that that's not the proper alignment. Well, it's, yeah, not optimal for not not optimal Not optimal for what we're trying to do with it. Yeah. So, um... No boxer punches like that. Right. By the way. So, so the whole... The other thing is it's an egotistical thing. Okay. So the instructor, the head instructor, the, the president, whatever governing board, um, they want to kind of have their stamp on people. So instead of focusing on certain things that would make a technique more efficient, um, a better movement, I mean, just simply more efficient, mm-hmm. um, they, they focus on a thing that makes them stand out. Yeah. You know, and, and that's ridiculous. That's just absolutely ridiculous. No disrespect to Yahada's group, um, the KWF, but that super over-rotated back, back fist to that really exaggerated compression to drive and stuff like that, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And you should have that as part of your, your training, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But it shouldn't be focused so much and drilled so much that you actually have wearing you know joint issues from it. Yeah. You know, those contorted positions are not safe. Yeah. And the force that they create to try to stop that is not safe. Yeah. You know, certain athletes have the ability to do things, and they expect everybody else to be able to do it. Mm-hmm. And they don't understand that maybe they're just gifted with better genetics, better structure, where they can do things without putting themselves in issue. Well, it's funny you talk about, like, the ego thing, because, like, the whole premise of being a martial artist in most cases is to rid yourself of your ego and try to like either reach some sort of enlightenment or reach a point where you're or continue on the path toward mastery because you're never actually there you're always trying to improve it's kind of funny we spent a lot of time on this podcast like ragging other people and it's not because like we think we've arrived it's just like (laughs) maybe if we knock people down a couple notches they'll realize like we're all on the same path we're just at different points on the path absolutely it's interesting that these more athletic individuals okay so i'm a personal trainer right so my job as a trainer is to take um exercises and i i or movement patterns per se let's say and i have a client try out the movement pattern and if they can do the movement pattern proficiently maybe we just stick with that or maybe if they're more advanced we'll progress it but if they can't do it then we regress it or sometimes i can look at a person and i can regress the exercise for them to try the regression and then eventually progress into the other but it would be very uh there are trainers who do this where they feel good about themselves as a trainer if their client cannot do what they're asking. If it's way too hard or if it exhausts them way too much, then they want to throw this, oh, well, you're just lazy or you're a quitter. No, they're just not fit or they're not physically capable of doing that thing. That's nothing but ego and you're not helping anybody. So why a leader of an organization who's trying to bring people together along that path, why they would feel like they have to make themselves feel better by showing off their own natural ability, obviously knowing nobody else can do it, so maybe there's something wrong here. So I don't get it. My conclusion sometimes, and, and 
I hate to say a majority of my experience with organizations is that they're not their intentions never to bring people together to promote the the art itself. Although they guise it that way, in reality, majority of the guys that have to start these organizations are trying to establish a legacy of themselves. I think in some small way, sometimes they start that way. I think they start off thinking that they're going to do that and then a lot of in a lot of cases they end up falling off the path and that's yeah. the problem with like not having people there to hold you in check that's why yeah. it's good to have like split power you know yeah, three branches of government that kind of thing Checks yeah yeah America. right um and we're finding that yet you could have to have more than two parties too <laughs> let's be real you know so and honest all honesty over. you know if we were take take a hint from what's happening right now we sh- <laughs> as karate people and organizations we yeah, should realize yeah. that i think a governing board uh-huh. with distinct roles for everybody in the governing board who who you know if you're going to have a technical advisor yeah he has the last say and what you do is t- in technique that's it you don't question him but, you just do it because you chose as a group yeah. that that man is the best or that woman's the best leader yeah but, so it kills me when people do that yeah like having having Either having individual roles split between multiple right. people so that right. everyone is having a say, or at least having like an advisory board where you're actually not like in word but in action coming together and being like, hey, this is a direction we want to try to go. Are we all in unison on this? Let's hash it out, whatever. Right. Obviously, you're not always going to have like unanimous votes, but that's right. the point of having a board is you have to have some pushback from people so that you can be challenged and figure out right. you know, how to move on. I guess that would be the way to get past the ego part. Right. And, and, you know, as long as it's a principle-based karate, there's really, it's really difficult. Mm-hmm. It's really difficult to go off that path. If yeah. you keep adhere, you adhere to the principles that are established already. Mm-hmm. So... Accountability. Yeah, so ego to me is is a big part of this whole, like, I'm going to make my organization look different. Yeah. Okay. Secondly is the branding and, and more branding than over, over over progression. Yeah. Oh, let's do it this way. Why? Because that's the way I do it. Not because it's important or better or more significant impact or more efficient, but that's the way I do it. And I've had success doing it that way. Or we've always done it where you step in punch and the punch ends at the time you stop stepping, but now we're going to step and then we're going to punch because we're just going to change it now and not everyone that, has to change. That, that looks better. You know, sometimes I think some of these changes in the organization and, and requirements is, is based on a misunderstanding of a concept that was correct because in, in reality, mm-hmm. if you start your punch when you step in punch, it's a push, yep. right? But if you wait till 90% of the, punch, the, the step is done, you're too late. Yeah. It's like you're missing you're the gonna, sweet spot. Your be too late. Yeah. Right. It's a sweet spot thing. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people don't understand that. They always say, oh, it's this way or it's that way. Mm-hmm. Well, no, it, it's your body. It's your human body. And it's like a lot of things athletic. Uh, it's not always absolute. It's Sometimes there's a range of movement, a range of time that it could be very good. And then it's late or it's too early and it's ineffective. Well, it, I mean, it, it gets more complicated because you can have a, a principle where – now you're trying to apply it, so you're not just doing the step and punch. You're trying to apply it, and then it may change a little bit more. But the point is, is like you have to have some kind of black and white something that you're referring <laughs> yeah, to, as and a basis. it really should be based off of like sound principles of movement. Yeah. Um, what was I listening to? I was listening to um, some kind of like athletic podcast the other day or whatever, and they're like, or maybe it was Aikido podcast. They're like, the, oh, it was Aikido podcast. They're like. The human body only moves like efficiently in so many ways. Yeah. Like there's only so, there's only there's so, so many, many ways, ways to do it. It's either kind of right or there's like kind of wrong. And then obviously how you apply that may change. But 
how you're doing it in principle is kind of, you know, yeah. Hmm. Um, so over progression. So what do you mean by like? Well, they, over progression? they they would, um, for example, like JKA. Uh, as as I was coming up in a JKA club in Japan, we were taught to do certain moves in the hand kata because better for tournament. Okay. More style, better, better, better points. Mm-hmm. Not because it was a more effective movement or okay. it had a better meaning or there was something else. It was just so that you looked better. Mm-hmm. A prime example is that is uh, most people nowadays when they, they hit, they go to punch Chudon level, they hit the chest bone, not the solar plex because there's too high and too square. Mm-hmm. But in tournament and doing kata, it looks good. Because the lines crazy. the lines look better to people. I had never heard that until you said that the other day. Um. That's crazy. That's how it was. That was how it was in, from 87 to 91 in Misawa, Japan. Yeah. And that was a JKA club that produced world champions. Kata world champions. Oh, my God. Okay. So, that being said. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you just said good versus bad. What do you mean by that? That's the real question, right? Mm-hmm. The real question is, is this branding a good thing or a bad thing? Yeah. Is it really? Because in some cases, I think it is good. Okay. If your intention is to preserve a person's approach. Okay. So, Nishiyama's people. Yeah. I appreciate that they continue to do that. Mm-hmm. I just wish they would, the followers would go, okay, this is what Nishiyama left us. Mm-hmm. What what can we do with it? Mm-hmm. Obviously, he didn't, he didn't teach us everything. Mm-hmm. Well, there's something here. I wish they would be more critical in their thought and more investigative instead of just accepting, oh, this is it. So, it's funny because... And I think in the I think it maybe in the forward in Best Karate by Nakayama, he actually talks about how karate is not supposed to be stagnant. It's supposed right. to be living and it's supposed to progress, right. not progress as in like change for branding purposes, but progress in accordance with scientific principles. So you're not supposed to just always do the same warm up because that's the warm up we did in the '70s. So that's the warm up <laughs> we're doing yeah. now. It's right. just, that stuff's crazy. So, so things like that, and 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 even taking your movement and looking at it maybe from a biomechanical or a, or a scientific lens, if you have that ability, or if you know someone who is is who is further along than you, like looking critically at what you're doing, not just because some great master did it that way. Instead, like it's not to say like they were like they sucked. It's not we're not saying that, no, but no, but things can point. always be better. I mean, look at the. Look at the videos of Funakoshi doing Teki Shodan. Yeah. No one does Teki Shodan like that. Funakoshi was like the master, right? Right. Okay, yeah. Right. It progressed beyond that. So how can we how can we do them justice? I mean, we're supposed to stand on the shoulders of giants, right? We're supposed to be able to take what they did and continue it on. It would be kind of disheartening for a lot of them to know that you just took what they gave you and just did nothing with it. There's a, you know, there's a biblical principle, there's a biblical parable about that too. Yeah. About taking your money and digging and hiding it in the <laughs> dirt. Yeah. Hiding it in the dirt rather than investing it. Like right. that's the same thing. It's like you're just hiding your money in the dirt because you're not changing anything. You're not growing. So. Yeah. And but I'm saying like it's not a bad thing if people are trying to preserve what their taught teacher taught them and, and the path or the perspective he had. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a bad thing when they just do what he did. Yeah, and that's it, and not and try, not trying to see what here where he was trying to go go or what he intended to be. Yeah, you know um, that's that's bad. And I, and I I don't mean to pick on the Nishiyama guys. It's just for me that's an easy example. Yeah, and everybody knows the look. Mm-hmm. So, um, but by the way, Nishiyama did produce two generations of the greatest American Shotokan practitioners ever. Yep. 
ever. And you want to argue that, you can. But uh, Yabe, Dalki, Ubel, who else? Um, ah. Smith. Huh? Frank Smith. Obviously Frank Smith. Mm-hmm. You know, these guys, they're, they're amazing karateka. Mm-hmm. Amazing karateka. But when you look at their karate, mm-hmm. they don't they all don't look, look like exactly him. the same. Nope. And they don't look like him. Nope. So there's something there, yeah. you know what I mean? So, not I'm not taking away from Nishiyama. Nishiyama was an amazing instructor and created and produced amazing karateka. Mm-hmm. Without him, the United States karate would be nowhere near what it's supposed to be, yeah. where it should be. Um, but you know, thinking about that again for a second, did hmm. I cut you off? No. Um, so we talk about this a lot, like with our students, that we don't really want our students to look just like us. Right. We want them to have the principal idea and then apply it (laughs) to their bodies because their bodies are going to be slightly different from ours now that doesn't mean that the principle changes but you actually have to have an understanding of what the principle is is. you know driving with the back leg there's a certain way to do it and then it might look a little bit different or it might be faster on somebody because they got little tiny baby legs or whatever so the idea is there but can you take that idea and pass it along and can you handle your students not looking like you, Can you handle <laughs> or, your students? or people in your organization not looking like you if you're the head, head oh, guy. Oh, wow. Even better, right? The organization. Because, you know, sometimes what I've seen in the past is that the, the brightest stars in an organization usually gets pushed down for a long time. So guys that are coming up to have a lot of talent understanding, they tend to get pushed down by the old guard. Mm, okay. You know, kept held at place. Um, and you could ask any of the a majority of these guys that went through the JK instructor program and these other guys, they could tell you that, hey, yeah, I, I got to the point and then I was held back by the organization. Yep. Well, that, that goes back to, to the ego. Well, it goes back to the <laughs> like, oh, I'm not going to give you your Don certificate that you right. trained eight years for, and right. I'm not going to give you your black belt that you've already paid for, and that kind of BS. Yeah, so to me, a lot of that is an old approach for an old world. You know, and we, we need to, if we're looking as consumers of karate and you're looking to join an organization, I would encourage you to look past the head instructor and investigate the structure, mm-hmm. the intention, and the logistics of the organization. And the people who are higher ranked or in leadership. Yeah. Cause look at their karate. Look at their karate and look if, and if that's what you like and that's what you feel like is, this is... Is fulfilling at your path at that point then you should go for it mm-hmm. but if you're just following the head instructor and how he looks and how charismatic he can be or she can be the honeymoon only lasts so long yeah. you know what i mean the I honeymoon did. only lasts so long <laughs> and then the real the real person comes out and all of a sudden you're trying to do things that doesn't fit your body what happens when the when the modern instructor the ones that are alive now i mean the people who followed nishiyama and some of these other guys that have passed away they have now experienced this what happens when some of our modern instructors if you're just following the one person what happens when they're gone right then what do you do do you do the same thing that these other generations of people have done and you just train the exact same way because that's how the head guy trained and there's no nothing beyond that yeah sam said it best as if train for 50 years or train five years for 10 times yeah you know good lord yeah and you know karate is different for everybody the what they what what people want and get out of karate is going to be different and Mm -hmm. i respect that yeah but as an art and as a is it gate holder for the future gatekeeper gatekeeper Mm -hmm. because we're we as instructors are gatekeepers right um people who have knowledge that may or may not choose to pass it on are gatekeepers yeah so anybody or, or that has they have connections and stuff yeah yeah so we as gatekeepers yeah 
we need to take our our art and and consider the the fact that is it progressing is it you know can we apply it to a modern situation can we do this in a modern context uh can we train in a modern context and still get the benefits that we had in traditional dojos you know and i feel like our dojo does that well that we we train in a modern context and we still get the benefits not only physically but emotionally and, and mentally uh that traditional training does i'm gonna make a bet with y'all too people who are listening i looked at the camera but now i'm looking at the mic just in case you can see me through the microphone <laughs> um i bet you in 20 years there will either be way more organizations to the point that it's not really real organizations let's be like, real sorry that point or there will be no organizations that people are really following yeah i think we're gonna get away from it i, I think it's gonna be b not a Hey, um, Scott Langley made a really great point about this. I had a conversation with him about organizations because mm. they, they structure, like, uh, there's a couple organizations, his included, that are structured way differently than a lot of the other organizations. And he said this. He said, it doesn't make sense to splinter off from a Japanese organization that you couldn't stand the structure of and then structure your organization the exact, exact same, same way, way because then you end up falling into the same traps. Exactly. So if you look at an organization and you're, you're seeing tendencies of an organization, like, nothing against Japanese, but... The majority of karate organizations are structured the same way. Yeah. If you don't like that, then you need to go to an organization that is not structured like that. Now, I right. can't really tell you how many there are because there aren't that many that I even know of. But right. if you're looking for an organization, just you know, to keep that in mind. Yeah. And then, honestly, I think after a certain point in your karate life, an organization doesn't really make that big of a difference. Yeah. I, like, to, to be fair, I mean, people... They still have the mentality that if they go from one dojo to another dojo, that they need to have, like, official documentation to right. show that they have... Look, this is, like, this is 2020. Most of the people are not asking for your Don certificate nope. to know whether or not you've actually made your rank. Yeah. Um, mostly because they don't care, or they're going to be able to look at you and tell if you if you are actually whatever right. rank you are. So, right. to be honest with you, like... Beyond training opportunities, which I think are the most important, like continuing education is the most important part yeah, of having an organization. And our, per our personal approach, yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. Like, like that's what every other field does or every other sport pretty much does is like you have continuing education or training opportunities. It's not about like ranking an official this, that, and the other necessarily. It depends on if you're doing it as a professional or something. Right. That makes sense. If you're right. doing There's it still licensing, licensing things and fees and I'm sorry. Sure licensing things that only get through continuing education so there are yeah. there are other motivation or motives to be in an organization yeah but i would love for someone to to, to create a karate organization based off an, an organization that has is, is based purely on based education. on continuing education you'll yeah. see that the organization itself isn't really that big but the services it provides and the people who buy into those services mm -hmm. is enormous yeah. And that's because they're not controlling, I think, the future. They're just giving you the opportunity to move forward. Yeah. The big thing with an organization like that is you would still have to have that governing body, not the right. governing person, the governing body that says, okay, these are the kinds of ideas that we're trying to portray. These are the kinds of training that we will have. Right. These are the type of people, not type of people, but these are the people who have ideas that align with that idea. Right. So, I mean, it couldn't, it can't just be a free for all because then right. if you don't have some kind of direction, you're going to fall apart. But. <laughs> Yeah, we, we got to definitely change the, the structure of an organization for it to be useful in the future. Yeah, because so, right now it's... Yeah, it's getting pointless, let's be real. 
Yeah. Especially now that a lot of organizations allow your, your members to train wherever they want to, mm-hmm. which should have been the original thing anyways. Um, it's, it's making it to the point where I don't have to be a part of an organization to train with the teacher I want to train with. I could just show up at a seminar and you train. Could, you could pay a little. I mean, the fee might be a little bit higher, but. Whatever. Whatever. You know. Um, to me, that's just, I guess that's it. You Not know? trying to dog in, I mean, well. Well, we are dogging. We but are dogging organizations. But it's, but it's but not like. We're not discouraging you from joining one. Just think just critically saying, hey, about yeah. it. Or voicing our own issues and concerns about organizations and even our own, you know, solutions mm-hmm. in a sense, you know. Yeah. But I just, in my personal opinion, I'd love to see an organization that was ran more professionally <laughs> with the intention of giving the services to help the network grow mm-hmm. without taking complete control of it. Mm-hmm. That's what a professional organization feels like to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see one like that. But... You know, like a legit business. Go read uh, Cash Flow Quadrant by Robert yeah, Kiyosaki. Yeah. He talks about being a business owner. That's kind of the stuff that you want to think about. I, I think. Yeah, I, obviously, a, we don't run an organization, yeah. but if you were run, if you were running an organization, I think that's the mindset you would want to have. Is like, I don't have to be in control of everything. I have to learn how to delegate yeah. and let other people make decisions and do tasks right. so that it can function. The only control you need to be in, if you're concerned as that as you a just, business owner, is the the hiring you do. Yeah, and then you just trust like, them do the job, holding people accountable. That's exactly. pretty much it. Anyways, anything else you want to say about that? Uh, no, nah, not really. Okay, what you working on? I'm working on the side snap sections in Sochin. Mm-hmm. Uh, the counter rotation to side back fist side snap pick to Fudodachi. Uh, just to get my leg in, in the snapping the side snap position before I kick is kind of vital for me. Mm-hmm. Um, if I were to just sling the leg straight over, I kind of my foot's already halfway out, my knee's out of position, everything else. And as y'all know, I've been working on side snap kick for the rest of my life. He's been working on it for the rest of his life. Yeah, so that's Indeed. how bad it got me. It got me yeah. twisted up at the time. Yep. So, anyways, <clears throat> that being said, I've been working on that shift, that, that initial rotation to side snap kick. Mm-hmm. Um, not even trying the second one because I'm what my understanding. <laughs> Just the left one, not the right one. <laughs> well, because the, the right one, you're going straight from Fudodachi into the side snap kick. There is no s- pull your feet together and snap out. You know, from the, yeah, the stance from there. The floor, yeah, but it's still a little rotation. It is, but uh, it's a different feeling altogether. Yes. Oh yeah, because it's not like. Yeah, that's what I'm trying to tell you. So it's a different feeling. So I'm it's working been on. So long since I did did Sochin a couple days ago or this morning. So. <laughs> right. What are you working on? <laughs> uh, I'm actually ending up Sochin. I almost just said Fudadachi. Sochin did it for like eight months or something. I don't really know. Um, the last thing I'm just trying to fix is this section with the double back fist mm. at the front leg front kick, back leg front kick, double back fist doodad. Just trying to make sure that both of those are effective. And then this morning I started working on drum roll. I get to the other one with the weird stances. Oh boy, I figure like I wore out like the outside of my hips pretty good. Like, to where I'll need a hip replacement, now I'm going to wear out the inside of my hips really good, so I really need a replacement by the end of this year. That's a joke, by the way. Because I have bad A fudodachis now. Right? They're good. Yes, dear. They're better now. <laughs> okay, well, thanks for listening or watching. <laughs> if you're watching, yeah, not whatever. sure you're missing much. You're not. If you're not, not really. watching, but anyhow... Um, but yes, dear. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Bye.